Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here live on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? Uh, doing quite well. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be an interesting discussion of this freight data, isn't it? Agreed. Uh, absolutely agreed. And who knows, we may be talking some football chat at some point throughout the next hour as well. But as Greg said, on this episode, we're going to be sharing key insights from one of the leading transportation industry resources. You've heard it here before, the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index, this time for Q4 2021. Greg, we're going to be uh, gaining key takeaways from all of our panel, but including two business leaders with extensive experience, legendary, we'll call it, in the transportation markets. And Greg, before we introduce our esteemed guests, you know, we've enjoyed our uh, collaboration now with U.S. Bank going back a few years. It's one of the leading financial institutions as uh, our ecosystem knows, involved in powering the transportation industry forward. And gosh, we've needed that by the truckload here in recent years because transportation is a backbone, the backbone, as we all know, of the global supply chain community, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, what they're doing is, and, and the data they're collecting is pretty uh, incredible, right? It's uh, $37 billion worth of transactions last year and all the data that comes along with it. And I think as important as the data is for people to recognize the intensive analysis analytics that go into assessing what it says and what it means and, and, and then discovering the underlying impact or the underlying cause of, of these data points, because mm -hmm. it's important for us to understand why things happen, not just in what measure they happened. And, um, you know, it's truly a stock market quality analysis. And, and actually, we have somebody with us today who can probably verify that. So I won't <laughs> let the cat out of the bag. But I mean, yeah, it's really, really powerful information. Hey, just one more thing. This is really interesting. At least to me, it is. So U.S. Bank is the bank behind my REI membership credit card. I did not know that until I just got it in the mail. And I was like, wow, they're everywhere. Really? Yeah. Well, so I got to ask you a quick follow-up uh, and we're going to say hello to a couple of quotes here and just a couple of folks in just a second. But so what's, uh, what's the coolest thing have you gotten from REI lately? A kayak. Really? Yeah. Have you used it? I didn't expect that answer, Greg. Not yet. It hasn't arrived. Supply chain issues, but, uh, <laughs> but it's on, it's on the way. Love so, it. All right. We got to yeah. get lots of pictures. We got to get you a, uh, a GoPro on that kayak, man. That'd be, that'd make for some, must see TV. So I'll add that to my list at REI. Yeah. I love it. All right. right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's a pretty cool card and you know, us bank helps contribute to sustainability of every, uh, for every transaction. And I read through the whole, I might be the only person who reads through the, <laughs> right. The actual <laughs> document that comes with your card. Well, Other you know, dial one 800 XXX to, you know, to, to, to fine it. print. Yes, yeah. The fine right. print. 
All right. So Greg and a kayak folks tune in uh, maybe next week on a live stream for uh, that exciting action. We'll say hello to a few folks before we bring on our guests here today. Samuel is tuned in via LinkedIn from Panama. Samuel, great to see you. Looking forward to your contributions here today. And hey, on that note, folks that are tuned in via the, the cheap seats or sky boxes in the comments section, we'd love to hear from you throughout the, the hour as we talk freight and logistics with, uh, with our panel here. Daniel, is tuned in from New York City, maybe New York City, but New York State at least, uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you here today. Everybody uh, assumes New York City when they see New York. Yeah, so Daniel, if you're from the upstate, shout it out. When's the last time you went to New York, uh, Greg? Gosh, that's a great question. It's been a minute. Um, <laughs> it always reminds me. 2019, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it might have been even earlier than that. I just realized this week, how many things have like have escaped my calendar for two years? You know, I, I went to the dentist and the last time I had gone to the dentist was September of 2019, which if I go every six months would have made my next visit March 20th or March of 2020. So of course I didn't go then and then couldn't go in the following September. And it's been impossible to get uh, an appointment ever wow, since anyway. That's right. That's way too much information, but it is funny how like so much of the calendar has kind of slipped away. So really, I'd have to tell you, it's probably been at least two and a half, maybe up to three years. So. Ask and you shall receive. From Sorry, Greg yeah, White. that was a lot more information you asked for. It was... <laughs> a look into a day in the life of Greg White. Well, Daniel, or, welcome. Or three years in the life. Yeah. <laughs> right. Maria tuned in, I think, PH uh, Philippines, I believe. Uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you here, Maria. Of course, we can't do a live stream without our dear friend Mohib from Wichita, Kansas. Uh, he says, good morning, all. Greg, we went to your favorite Kansas City and had some world-famous barbecue ribs in Jack Stack Barbecue. I guess that's the name of the restaurant. Yep. Young. is Jack Stack. Yep. Okay. Uh, and Daniel is is responding. So, Oh, Long Island. Okay. Long Island. Long, Long Island. Island. Yes. So. Well, Great to have everybody. We could get to a few folks. Uh, we want y'all, we want to hear from you today as we get through this next hour. So, with no further ado, Greg, let's welcome in our featured guests here today. Back by popular demand, Bobby Holland, Director of Freight Data Solutions at US Bank, and another repeat guest, our dear friend Logistics Lee Klaskow, Senior Analyst, Transportation and Logistics with Bloomberg Intelligence. Bobby Lee, good afternoon. How you doing? Doing well. Doing great, thanks. Doing well, how are you? Doing wonderful. Great to see you both. Have enjoyed our conversations in the lead up to this live stream. Greg, we had a little bit of NFL Network uh, in today's uh, pre-show, didn't we? We did, and we talked a little bit about snowfall and snow removal, which is, <laughs> you know, is an impact on the supply chain, and will be so more in the coming days, I believe, right? So agreed, but not I have a body. to ask you is Lee Lee is logistics Lee, is that your new moniker or is that something Scott just handed out just today or no, it's something that I've been using for uh quite some time. I'm on Twitter. I actually I signed up for Twitter a couple of years ago, but I've actually started just posting, you know, being a little more active there so people can find me at, at logistics Lee with, with an S uh, between the uh, logistic and the Lee. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of uh, you know cheesy, which uh, for those that know me, it's it's kind of me to take. <laughs> Par for the course. Hey, we Lee, love cheesy. 
not only one of the most talented, but one of the funniest guys in supply chain, Lee Classgow. No kidding. So I, I like it, actually. I, I thought maybe Scott had coined that for you. So I'm going to have to I'm, I'll be right back, guys. I've got to follow Lee. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that quick, but to, to, we've got Lee. We've got Bobby Holland. We got one heck of a one two punch here today. And our, our listeners are familiar with both of them. Um, so let's start there. Let's re just refresh everyone's memory. So, Bobby, we've been collaborating now for a couple of years. I always walk away with my 17 pages of notes when uh, you make your appearances here. Love talking freight and supply chain, but just refresh our listeners' memory of who Bobby Holland is. So tell us about what you do. I, as you pointed out, I'm the uh, vice president and director of freight data solutions uh, in our freight division at U.S. Bank, and I'm a product manager, and we're responsible for creating data products that add value to our customers. And the freight payment index was our first product, if you will, uh, to the market to basically to demonstrate our perspective on the marketplace. And I learned a little tidbit about Bobby and his family earlier today, Greg, you might've missed it. He's got a, um, a Yorkie named Malcolm. Is that right, Bobby? My wife does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We talked about that. That's right. How can I leave that important detail out? Well, Bobby, welcome back. Great to have you back. They really enjoy our conversations here. And, and Lee, you know, uh, heck, we have been uh, we've had interviews dating back to uh, in-person events. Imagine that uh, yeah. in Austin, here in Atlanta and, and you name it. Yeah. Just refresh our listeners a little bit about yourself, Lee. Sure. So uh, I work for uh, Bloomberg Intelligence. Uh, for those that don't know, Bloomberg Intelligence is Bloomberg, the big media company. It's there. Um, it's the research arm. So my research goes across the uh, the terminal. We do share uh, snippets of uh, some of our insights on social media. So like I mentioned earlier, Twitter or LinkedIn, uh, I cover freight transportation uh, and logistics. So that really includes all sorts, uh, all modes. So whether it's on the water, in the air, on the land, I'm covering it. I cover about uh, 23 uh, individual companies as well as, as to the industries. Uh, and, and right now is, is uh, for an analyst, it's, it's kind of a busy time because it's earnings seasons when, when companies report their fourth quarter results uh, this week and next are two pretty big weeks. Uh, I've been doing uh, this for Bloomberg for about 11 years. And prior to that, I worked for a couple banks uh, for about five and a half years, also covering transport. So call it 17 years experience uh, looking at the transport markets from, uh, from the lens of, of an investor. We don't give buy, hold, sell recommendations. But we do let people know at Bloomberg Intelligence where we think uh, companies are headed, uh, kind of the challenges and opportunities that they have uh, in front of them. Very well said. I'm buying that, Greg. How about you? I'm buying that. Yeah, well, and I think it's it particularly important now because understanding a company's supply chain has always been a big part of how they earn and how they create revenue. And it's been largely ignored, Lee, as I'm sure you know. And now it's right up there with sales and earnings, right? Supply The condition of the supply chain is right at the top of the list, even for the stock market. So I think it's cool that you're providing that kind of information because those insights are, I think they're indicative of the future of a lot of companies. Yeah. And if companies aren't executing right now, usually the problem is one of two things. It's their supply chains are messed up or they're dealing with too much labor inflation or not enough uh, workers. And, and those are the, the two main areas, if you will, that, you know, corporate America is suffering right now, you know, kind of trying to navigate through this pandemic. Mm. Mm. 
So, so much to get to, so little time. Great to have Bobby and Lee with us here. Greg smiling because he knows that is always true. Greg, where are we going next with our esteemed duo? Yeah, I think before we dive right into what the report says, maybe Bobby, you can go through a little bit of obviously you do billions of transactions or billions of dollars in transactions, and I don't know the exact number of transactions, but it's a whole lot. But what else? I mean, your methodology, the data that you use or how you use it, um, what else help makes this such a valuable resource for folks from your standpoint? Well, as you said, it's the quantity of data. Uh, that $37 billion in spend is approximately 31, around 31 million transactions annually. And so as you can imagine, you know, from managing that many invoices and payments, we collect a lot of data. And it's that big data perspective that enables us to, uh, again, put together our perspective on the marketplace with our truckload and less than truckload data, which is about 70 to 80% of uh, that spend uh, in our system. And so, you know, basically what we do is, you know, we measure the velocity deltas in the marketplace. We look at a quarter to quarter comparison uh, our year, our year zero was 2010, and we've calculated forward. Even though the index hasn't been around till 2010, that's our starting point uh, for the, the majority of the data that we have in our trade out and payment system. The, the majority of good data, let's put it that way. <laughs> so from 2010 forward, you know, we we calculate, like I said, the deltas um, compare. Uh, we have algorithms that basically uh, pair out all of the seasonality. Uh, pair out all of the discrepancies, kind of normalize the data, if you will, and it, it enable us to make fairly accurate um, or accurate year to year and year over year and quarter over quarter comparisons. And that's basically what we present along with uh, economic commentary. Uh, we work with American Trucking Association, their economist, Bob Costello. So uh, put all that together and we think we're, you know, we've got a pretty good perspective, especially with our regional perspective in the marketplace. So 2010 is your baseline, right? So whenever we talk about these numbers, it's all relative to that. So can you explain a little bit about how you use that baseline so people get, you know, because we, we talk about year over year numbers, of course, and then we're going to talk about quarter over quarter numbers. So can you relate that back to that baseline? So folks, Yeah, understand. well, basically it's the starting point, but we have a chain-based index, which means you start with 2010 and every quarter um, you compare it the current quarter or the, the, the previous quarter to its previous quarter. So we're, that's why we're in January and we're talking about Q4 because basically our, you know, we wrap up our data processing for the fourth quarter um, at the end of December, beginning of January. And then basically we calculate forward each quarter compared to the previous quarter. Uh, and that's, we feel that because of the, we, we, we want it to reflect not U.S. Bank's business but we want it to reflect the marketplace. And so that's why we do a chain base. And we also, you know, call it a, like a, a something similar to a, a same store sales um, algorithm where you basically make sure the previous quarter looks like the quarter you're comparing, you know, so you take out, like I said, the seasonality, you take out any attrition and add in, you know, customers that have been in, in both buckets, if you will, Got it. Uh, so that you're making an accurate comparison as you move forward. And mm. that's, you know, given the fact that we have to do that, that that balancing act and make sure that the buckets are straight, that's why it's better for us to do a chain based rather than 
everything reflected off of um, 2010 as year zero. It's year zero for us from the starting point, but it, we don't. It's not relative to year zero like um, a lot of other uh, straight indexes are. Gotcha. Okay. But having done comp store uh, sales reports, I totally get that, and I'm glad I didn't actually do the reports. I just reported the reports. So I'm glad there are people like you that make sure that the reports happen. Because <laughs> that's, I mean, that's no small task, right? We have to mm. consider that, like you said, the attrition of carriers and whomever else in the, in the market, shippers in the marketplace that impact that. So it's, it is a apples to apples kind of comparison right. quarter over quarter. Otherwise, we're just measuring U.S. Bank's business. And that's, you know, we may be doing better than the market. We may be doing worse, but we want to, again, represent the marketplace and not ourselves. Yeah, got it. So Lee, uh, tell us a little bit about how you or maybe your clients or you've seen other supply chain professionals use this thing. Give us kind of a practical perspective on how it's. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I think that uh, it's useful when you're trying to figure out where we are in the cycle. You know, that that's obviously an, an important aspect, um, whether, you know, any transportation market that we're talking about, they're all cyclical. So there's peaks and and, uh, and, and, and lulls within every cycle. And a lot of people right now are trying to figure out where we are, uh, especially with, uh, with truck rates, you know, where we are in, in the trucking cycle. Uh, it seems like it, the cycle has some legs to, from, from our standpoint to, to go through 2022 uh, Night Swift, which is, you know, a, a large trucking company on their uh, earnings release. They mentioned that they thought that our rates, contractual rates, that is, could uh, increase uh, around uh, double digits this year. Uh, obviously, they're catching up to the the huge run in spot rates that we've seen. But all in all, you know, I think this is these these sort of uh, indexes um, are really a good place to start when you're trying to figure out where we are in the cycle. And again, our call is for a really elongated uh, rate cycle. Um, and you know, unless something tragic were to happen from the the demand side, you know, we see the strength going into next year. So with all of that, that that's very important from Bobby and Greg and Lee there, uh, some level setting. Let's jump into the data. So again, this is for Q4 2021. And Bobby, going to come back to you here. Before we go region by region, let's start with just that bigger picture, that national point of view. So tell us, uh, what did you see in Q4 in the bigger picture? Well, overall, we saw that the spend index increased while the shipments index contracted uh, slightly. Um, and again, the same pressures that, you know, we've had from or throughout this process, they've intensified uh, to a certain extent, but it's basically uh, the driver shortage, uh, the capacity shortage, and then just, you know, other regional uh, areas that, you know, manufacturing, um, in some cases, housing, uh, all these have impacts on, on individual areas. But basically, in, while there's that labor crunch that, that Lee had mentioned, uh, while there's still now uh, a growing capacity shortage and, and it's capacity shortage from the standpoint that um, fleets are not able to expand as they need to. And so technically they're making do in some cases with less. All of these are impacting and that's why the spending growth has outpaced the volume. So we're paying basically more to ship less. Gotcha. And you can see that in the uh, the chart that you have up there that the growth in spending is far outpaced the shipment volumes. Yep. Agreed. And folks, really quick, before we go a little deeper, we're about to go region by region. 
with our panel here, you can sign up for the freight payment index for free. And we've got the link in the show notes and I bet Amanda, big thanks to Amanda Chantel, Clay and Catherine behind the scenes, helping to make production happen. I bet they'll drop it in the comments as well. So uh, let's, let's jump in. Let's go region by region as we typically do. And we're going to get Bobby to kind of lay out what all this reporting from again, from $37 billion where the transactions right. is telling us. And then we're going to get here what Lee and Greg, maybe next time in Greg's kayak, uh, what, what some of their commentary, some of the things they're seeing out there in these regions. So Bobby, yeah, sure. Um, so while you get that straight, uh, really quick, Greg, while Bobby finishes that nationally, nationally, what was one of your takeaways nationally from the Q4 freight payment index, Greg? Well, the I word inflation, um, you know, it's impossible to ignore it. Right. Um, even even though the the rate of increase uh, in spend has tailed a little bit, it's still it's still much higher. And and yet the number of shipments is going down. And the last time we did this, we talked about the possibility that there might be shippers pulling out of the market just because they can't get capacity. Don't know if we saw that be interesting. I'm not sure the data necessarily reflects that, but clearly that. And then the, the and yet the year over year spin change is actually, it's actually coming down to Lee's point earlier. You know, we're seeing the trend. Hopefully it's a trend. It's at least trending that way now. And, you know, I'm really interested to understand what that means, you know, whether that's something Obviously, it's something Bobby can affirm that we've seen in the past. I'd be interested to see, Lee, what you think that might uh, portend for the future. Yep. All right. So I think we're ready to go region by region. Thank you for that, Greg. And we're going to circle back and get Lee's commentary as we start, Bobby, with the Northeast region, right? So let's, let's, uh, what is all the data telling us from the Northeast region? Northeast region saw like almost 2% uh, drop over third quarter um, yep. and it was down 1.2 percent from a year earlier in shipments and then on spend it was up eight percent over q3 and almost 24 percent over uh, year over year so a lot was going on in the northeast again we always talk in the index about the density of the population and basically being able to show big swings on uh, consumption uh, so we saw that consumption uh, was buoying things up. We saw that housing starts while dropping um, sales of houses. And I can attest to that personally, sales of houses, <laughs> you know, big turnover up here. So a lot of activity there. Um, and so, you know, there's some downstream aspects of that, that, that keep things, keep things moving. But, you know, basically, like I said, we saw consistent with others. We saw big jumps over last year. Um, which is what we were, you know, obviously what everyone was hoping for, because now we're, you know, well into the pandemic and possibly, you know, starting to come out of it. So you would expect to see some of those things happen. Excellent point. And permitting is generally speaking, as you pointed to up uh, across the country, including in the Northeast. But Lee, tell us, uh, we're fortunate because Bobby's Northeast and Lee's Northeast. And not only are they experts, but they're living it too. So Lee, some of what was going on in the Northeast region, your, your take. Right. Well, well, I mean, I don't know how much uh, anecdotal evidence I have. I, I barely leave this room, um, but you know, I, I think the you and Bobby thing, both are yeah. room bound, not just homebound. 
when you think about the Northeast, obviously, you know, somebody mentioned um, the density of the area. So congestion is, is always an issue. Also, some of the, the tougher COVID uh, protocols that we had here in the Northeast made it a region that maybe some truckers didn't want to go to. So, you know, that probably propped up rates uh, and kept things tight. So, you know, Northeast, you always got to be, you got to be a, a special kind of trucker if you want to drive an 18-wheeler up and down uh, Lexington Avenue in Manhattan. Uh, not an easy, not an easy task, uh, uh, but there's just a lot of different other things that come along with, uh, with that density. And, you know, even though a lot of people are not working in the office full time yet, Obviously, some of us have gone back to working from home over the last uh, 30 days. There's still, you know, congestion on the highways. Mm. Hmm. Even though people aren't going to work, people are still doing things. Really quick, going back to your trucker statement, you got to be a special trucker to get up and down Lexington Avenue, I think you said. And Lee knows a little bit from his experience. Uh, experience driving a truck, which uh, one of the, the logistics companies out there afforded you to do. We'll have to see if we can't find that uh, that, delete, that that wonderful footage and drop that in the comments. Backing um, a trailer, if I recall right. Yes, Lee, right. Yeah. That, yeah, not backing, a, up, backing up a trailer, driving driving uh, two uh, two pups around a yard in, the, in an XPO facility. I love wow. it. I hope I can do that at some point. I bet that was a really cool experience and loved the, the footage that came out of it. I want to share a couple of quick uh, hellos. We've got uh, Lucy is tuned in from uh, Dubai. Lucy and our friend Kim Winter says hello. Great to see you there. Uh, Mohib, uh, he's in a Colorado state of mind. He's wishing their flat heartland Kansas had some snow-covered hills. Got to be careful what you wish for, Mohib. We were just talking about all this snow pre-show. Uh, memory well, is first we need the hills. Right. <laughs> In Kansas. Okay. <laughs> Good point. Fair point. Fair point. We're going to end. Snow, he'll get snow cover. Let me assure you. <laughs> right. And Mohib, we're coming to the Midwest here in just a few minutes. Memory's back with us. She was dropping. She's been on fire. Memory, great to have you back. Looking forward to your perspective. Jonathan's tuned in from California. We're, we're going to cover the West region too here soon. Uh, tuned in via LinkedIn. So great to see you. And finally, uh, as y'all saw the graphic a second ago, we've, we've dropped the link to sign up for free to get your copy of the freight payment index each quarter. Okay, so Bobby, we've, we've spoken to the Northeast. Let's get to the Southeast, right, where Greg and I uh, happen to live. Uh, so Bobby, uh, your thoughts there. The Southeast spend index was up 8.4% over Q3 2021. The shipments index dropped almost 2%. Again, when we talked in the beginning, they're all you know fairly moderate drops. Um, or slowdowns, if you will. Um, and again, it's mainly the, the capacity thing. Uh, the fact that fleets aren't able to expand like they need to. Uh, and the fact that and diesel prices is also a big factor. The fact that um, even though prices started to moderate, um, they're still high. And, and if you go through the index, you'll see some of the numbers, um, particularly over you know last year. In some places, it's up almost 50% over last year went up you know, almost 10% in a quarter. And all these things are driving uh, spend because those costs get passed on. They don't get absorbed. Southeast is no different. So really quick about those diesel prices. Uh, let's see here. I've got them up across the U.S. on average about a dollar per gallon uh, from this time last year. And uh, the biggest is in the West Coast, which we're going to touch on here soon. And, and of course, as, as Bobby just mentioned, not only are they, you know, Diesel goes up, more surcharges, but that's outside of any additional service charges just 
for the state of the market that uh, logistics companies have to pass on. Bobby, any final thoughts related to Southeast before we bring Lee and Greg in? Um, just that there's automotive impact. So, you know, state or regions that have automobile manufacturing um, basically have their freight impacted. Uh, and one of the things of note is that it's all across, across all areas of the supply chain. It's not just the, the chips uh, manufacturing. It's, you know, raw materials, even the ability to move raw materials. And so it's, it's kind of a contest between having the capacity to move what's needed and, you know, the availability from, from other areas. So the fact that the Southeast still has a significant automotive manufacturing capability just, you know, shows why uh, they're having some impacts as well. Excellent point. And on that note, Greg, I can't remember the name of the automotive company that, that I made the announcement. I think it's formal now. Uh, bringing a new plant to Georgia. In fact, not too far from where we're, we um, are home. So automotive industry is alive and well in the Southeast and certainly in Georgia. Lee, your commentary, and I'm coming to you, Greg. Uh, Lee, your take on what you're, what you're seeing in the Southeast. Yeah, you know, I, I would echo what, you know, Bobby talked about. Obviously, automotives are, are pretty important for that, the, the overall economy. You know, I think there was also some colder than normal weather uh, that happened in the Southeast that, uh, you know, uh, folks down there aren't, aren't, aren't used to, and, and that kind of uh, uh, added to congestion issues and impacting uh, the supply chain. So, yeah, and then I would also, you know, mention that on the fuel side, uh, you know, uh, OPEC Plus kind of said they were going to increase supply a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, that that should be, uh, you know, a, a good thing for prices. Also, as oil remains high, that could increase some uh, more fracking here in the U.S., uh, which you know will obviously increase the supply and help bring back prices. But but obviously a lot of people are looking on what's going on between Europe, uh, between uh, Russia and Ukraine. You know, given how what any knock-on effect uh, any turmoil there could could have on the the energy uh, energy rates, because uh, obviously Europe uh, depends a lot on on Russia for some of its uh, natural gas to heat themselves uh, during the winter. Mm. A lot of good stuff there, Lee Greg. Yeah, well, I think one thing we don't hear about it as much because it's become so matter of fact, but the truth is the ports continue to be jammed. And I, mm. I mean, I have a great view of, of ships waiting outside the port of Savannah now. So I've been making somewhat of an amateur study of that. And it is not insignificant that the East Coast ports, particularly the Southeast ports, Jacksonville, Char Charleston and Savannah are really jammed up and are you know, they're holding ships offshore just like they are in Long Beach and L.A. So mm. that that's probably had some impact on both the need for chassis and and for uh, tractors, but uh, and drivers, of course. Um, but also, uh, the you know, the delays around that are impacting the actual shipment volume. So. Right. Excellent. Well, you know, so you just you've just earned a new assignment, Greg. Since you're doing that amateur study, as you call it, man, we got to get you and footage of touring the Port of Savannah. Who knows? Getting your boots on the ground reporting, Greg. Yeah, yeah, that's no doubt. I mean, it, it's re it really is an interesting study to see. I mean, and, and it's interesting also, I mean, just a side note, it's an in interesting also, of course, Los Angeles had, and Long Beach have ships now anchoring 150 miles offshore because of the pollution effect. And in the few days around Savannah that I saw that were not incredibly windy in the last couple of weeks, um, you can see out over the ocean, the haze from the diesel exhaust out wow. there. 
Mm. So it's it's not an insignificant pro, uh, impact because the ships still have to run to run their systems. Yep. Um, so, but yes, you can see them going into the port. Mm. Um, it it's truly people. fascinating. It is fascinating what goes on in our ports. Um, okay, so we just went through the northeast and the southeast, and Bobby, that brings us to the Midwest, right? Uh, home of Mohib there in Wichita, Kansas. So tell us what the data told you and the team uh, in the Midwest. Uh, Midwest was down uh, quarter over quarter on shipments, uh, about 3%, roughly 3%, 2.9%, but was up 6.7% in spend. Uh, And then year over year is up almost 16% in spend and down 12% from last year in shipments. Uh, again, the Midwest um, has uh, big auto production capability, and some of our data from the Federal Reserve says that auto production was off by 10 to 15 percent. And again, one of the big areas um, where it's impacted all up and down the supply chain, uh, you can see that that big drop is going to affect, you know, like I said, all areas of the supply chain. So that's why it uh, had one of the larger slowdowns in in shipment volume uh, because of, we feel because of that. So mm. speaking of the Midwest, uh, y'all might have seen uh, Bobby mentioned ships earlier in some of his analysis. Intel made a, I think, a $20 billion commitment to Ohio, building uh, a huge site there to produce uh, semiconductors and ships. So we'll see maybe uh, a 27 year ramp up period, maybe, but nevertheless, massive investment. Lee, when you look at the Midwest, Again, home of A.A. Mohib and Wichita State University, which we have a famous alum right here on this panel, <laughs> Craig White. Um, but, Lee, what are you seeing in the Midwest? I, I mean, you know, not to be an echo chamber here, but, like, uh, really, it's the things that Bobby pointed out as relates to uh, the automotive industry. Um, obviously, the semiconductor chip shortage has uh, really roiled that industry, and, and, and things, you know, are slowly getting back to, quote-unquote, normal um, you know, the Fed came out with some uh, commentary yesterday where Powell said that the, uh, the the chip shortage, I believe this is what he said. So don't quote me quoting him. That's something that like it probably won't be resolved until next year. So uh, that's going to be a pressure that's going to impact the Midwest and also the Southeast and, you know, way, way, way on volumes. And it also, you know, could also add to uh, shippers looking for more expedited ways to 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 ship stuff around because, you know, they made just maybe in the past they might have waited for a pallet full of widgets or a trailer full of widgets. Now they just might be wanting just to send stuff out as soon as it uh, is available uh, to you know mm-hmm. help the manufacturers or the the, the distributors um, you know with their own inventory issues. So mm-hmm. um, you know the, the the supply chain shortage has been you know probably has led to a lot of people you know, increasing their, their spend by like, you know, trading up. So instead of going, you know, doing rail, maybe doing truck, instead of doing truck, maybe do more LTL, instead of doing LTL, maybe do expedited. Um, so, you know, we, we are seeing that in, in the marketplace as shippers scrambled to have either product on the shelves or product in the warehouse so they can do their manufacturing or assembly um, and, and keep up with demand. Good stuff there, Lee Klaskow. Greg, your quick thought. Uh, two quick things about the Midwest. Used car sales are at an all-time high, right? So 
even as new cars are being produced, or in some cases, they are effectively old cars waiting for <laughs> chips still. Right, right. You know, that that has buffered, that has buffered sales, which has probably had the big impact, somewhat of a, some portion of the big impact on uh, shipment volume. But the other is that some of the Japanese makers like Honda and Acura together virtually skipped the 2021 model year and are shipping 2022s and basically gave up on trying to produce those vehicles or import those vehicles mm. to the States. So, you know, they have, instead of trying to keep two model years going, they effectively gave up early on 2021 and moved on to 2022. Mm. So they don't have the same amount of production, vehicle production backlog that needs chips. So uh, it's I only know that anecdotally because my daughter just got a Acura uh, SUV of some sort and and she couldn't buy a 2021. They didn't even have them. And uh, so we learned that Honda and Acura and others have done virtually the same thing. I'm not sure what other uh, automakers have. Mm. That's a really interesting strategy to get beyond that rather than try to fill two model years with semiconductors, just basically skip one. <laughs> well, you, you know... Okay. Go ahead, uh, Bobby. Go ahead. I was just going to say on top of that, you know, because my kids are buying cars too uh, for variety of reasons. And anecdotally, you know, one of the things that appears to be happening as well is even heavier concentration on shipping loaded vehicles, you know, so that for, you know, if you have a limited set of vehicles, you want to ship the most uh, loaded profitable models. profitable models and with, with everything in it. So, you know, trying to go and, and, you know, my daughter had to replace her car after an accident and, you know, trying to find, you know, the vehicle that she had before, you know, she ended up having to, to, I think she got close, but she ended up paying a little more for it than what she paid previously. Mm. And then my son was looking to replace his vehicle and ended up having to, to buy one that was like extremely loaded because the, the dealer just, and he checked all the dealers in, in Colorado around where he lives just didn't have, you know, they had one or two vehicles and it was like, either take it or somebody else will. And so, yeah. you know, I haven't bought a car in a couple of years. So I, you know, I hear and read about these things, but to me, you know, when I drive by the dealerships here, they look like they have cars. I mean, they're a little sparse on some of them, but some of them look like they have cars, but until you actually go to try to get one that you want, and then you right. find out there's a, a labyrinth that you have to go through, or you're going to pay an inventory fee, which basically means they jack the price up. Mm. It's just you know, crazy times for the, for for buying a car. Well, don't. Yeah, and there is no negotiating. <laughs> so I think what Bobby just in just to paraphrase what you're saying is you're you like I and probably many other parents. Your kids are driving a nicer car than you are because they were forced to buy a car that was well, loaded. My son is now. But <laughs> <laughs> he can't well, leave I, his last purchase. So I was going to add, Bobby. Uh, hopefully, your daughter and son brought in the negotiating talent, Bobby, the hammer Holland to make sure they got the best deal. There is no deal. <laughs> There's no deal. That's yeah. no joke. <laughs> I told you know, what they they're like, you know, Hey, look, it is what it is, right? Yeah. If you don't buy it, it's literally, literally someone else will. Well, all right. So let's so, fascinating times, right? Fascinating times. Yeah. I want to add in Mohib says that business jet sales, right? Which is is Wichita's air capital of the world is up. He says the rich and famous has figured out that life is too short. Live it up while you're still young. Uh, memory, I uh, think, is a really interesting practice that Greg just talked about the cancellation of the 2021 models. And uh, memory says 
Mohib, I need a master class on economics from you, which referencing some of his thoughts around inflation that we'll try to get to. But before we do that, we've got two more regions to get around to. Uh, the Southwest region, Bobby, is the next one on our list. Uh, tell us what the data told us about the Southwest region. Uh, the Southwest region was the only region of the five that had an uptick, albeit a slight one, in shipment volume up uh, just under 1%. But in spend, it was up almost 8%. So again, a pretty big jump, but it was up, you know, almost 21% over last year in, in spend and 2% over last year uh, in shipment volume. So again, Southwest is, is doing really well, comparatively speaking. Uh, a lot of that can possibly be attributed to, you know, even greater freight volumes between Mexico and the United States. Uh, as well as, uh, you know, cost of energy in that area as energy is picking up. Uh, I think Lee had made comments about that earlier mm -hmm. uh, about in some places, you know, energy capacity is, is coming up. So, uh, again, the only region, only region to have an uptick in shipments. So that was interesting because usually um, there it's usually the opposite trend. Right. And that's the southwest uh, region that you're speaking to. Um, Lee? What'd you see in the Southwest? Yeah, uh, again, echo, echo. Um, you know, it's really the the energy infrastructure uh, that's going on in, in Texas. Obviously, a lot of fracking in, in Texas and Oklahoma area. Uh, and then, you know, because uh, supply chains are so screwed up, um, you know, you've been seeing um, people coming in through the the, uh, the border in the South uh, to bring in uh, bring bring in bring in products. So, um, you know. Again, you know, I totally agree with what Bobby's seeing. Um, you know, it sounds like uh, that's what's really what's what's driving things there. Mm. Uh, and Greg, yeah, uh, you know, again, Houston, another very active port, as people avoid in uh, with a plum the L.A. and New York and New Jersey ports, and of course, the sweet, sweet taste of Texas crude has gone up pretty dramatically, and it has has to go somewhere it's there the production is up in in texas across and across the midwest because of the price of crude and wells continue to be dug at disproportionate rates to previous years so mm. I, in fact i was just talking to someone who intended to dig intended to sink 10 wells this year and instead they sunk 35 so wow yeah i mean it's dramatic and they expect the price to go much much higher i'd be interested Lee, I think you probably disagree with that. But of course, if I was an oil guy, I'd probably expect or hope to expect that it was going higher. <laughs> I was just going to say the the moving in and out of, of those kind of resources and natural gas, which is at a fairly high level as well, is and of course, it's winter. So that's yep. it's it's a natural for that region to to see what they're seeing, in my opinion. So, Lee, I want to get you to respond but really quick. I got to add this every time I hear. Texas crude, which Greg mentioned a couple of times, I instantly think of swimming pools, movie stars. Anyone else? Is it just me? Anyone else? Anyone else? I think it's just you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because the Beverly Hillbillies are from Arkansas. Just so you know. <laughs> okay. All right. So Lee, respond really quick. Uh, Greg talked about a lot about the, the energy market there. Any any commentary? Yeah, you know, I, I think that most people believe that oil prices will remain relatively high in, in the short term you know um 
what tends to happen with uh, fracking is that rate when when the price gets to a certain point where you know the, the it's it's above break even that's when a lot of the, the pumping begins but those cycles uh, tend to be very short lived because you know when they're bringing up all the supply back online that obviously dilutes the price and the, then the you know if it happens too quickly without demand increasing you know we're we're not supposed to get to pre pandemic levels it might be this year for global oil demand, but it, it might not. It's kind of like on the cusp of whether we're going to get to pre-pandemic levels from a demand standpoint. Um, so, you know, the, the demand is slowly getting back to normal. Uh, and, and on the pricing side, it's, it's really going to be on, on the supply, what OPEC Plus is doing and, and what, the, what the frackers are doing. Right. And, and, and as sweet crude goes up and the U.S. produces more, OPEC will release more stocks to drive oil stocks to drive the value down to keep that from right accelerating mm. the price too much it's fascinating fascinating allowing the u.s to succeed <laughs> those um, markets all right so come down the home stretch right we've gone through northeast south east midwest southwest and all of that bobby brings it brings us to the wild wild west so in that yeah, fifth region wild yeah <laughs> what you see out there well, the shipments volume slowed 6.4%, and spend, though, was up 12%. So largest amount of uh, quarterly spend increase, uh, but it's also the biggest drop or slowdown in shipments. Uh, a lot of things going on, and a lot of them we've seen in the news uh, with you know port volumes. Uh, and usually the West is buoyed up by port volumes, but that's assuming that they can actually move the stuff out of the ports. Um, obviously, they've had a big issue in getting things out of the ports, um, getting things into the ports. And one of the other things that, and, I, and uh, Greg alluded to it earlier, uh, there's always been, you know, some trickle of West Coast port volumes over to the East Coast. But it seems perhaps that in the fourth quarter, there was a huge push to do that because of mm -hmm. the fact that they're backed up. Um, I read, you know, that it was practically backed up offshore in Colorado, um, California, um, all the way down to uh, the Mexican border, uh, you know, mm. over, I mean, I don't know what the numbers got to, but I, I know that they were reporting 110 or more ships waiting, which yeah. that number has just continued to escalate. And Bobby, remember last quarter, we were seeing much of the same thing, but the numbers were yet smaller in all of the ports. So. Mm. This has been a pretty dramatic spread. I hadn't really thought about it that way until you said that, but it has been a pretty dramatic spread uh, that all of the ports are now backed up because we could right. brag here in the Southeast that our ports were still operating very efficiently, which maybe they are, but they are still getting so much more volume that um, now it, virtually everyone is backed up. Agree. And speaking of volume, we, as we shared on the supply chain buzz every Monday at 12 noon, looking at the Port of Charleston in 2021, 25% year over year uh, uh, volume increase 20, uh, 2021 over 2020. So a lot of the ports are benefiting from some of what Bobby was just sharing there. Lee, West region is what we're talking about, what we're finishing on before we make sure folks know how to connect with uh, all of our panel here. Your observations from the West. Yeah, I think it's really stemming from the ports. There's about over 100 ships that are kind of in uh, Southern California, you know, uh, waiting to to unload their freight. Um, you know, I guess the, the good news is some of that backlog might get a little cleared as we head into the Lunar New Year. 
as you know, a, a lot of uh, uh, China kind of shuts down, uh, people go home from the cities, they go back to you know, where, where the rural areas. Uh, it's worth noting really what's going to happen this time uh, when they have to come back, because a lot of those uh, workers haven't been home in two or three years since the pandemic began. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. That you know will probably have a, a good impact on uh, on on spot rates. Um, you know, liner rates are up around eighty percent uh, mm. this year, um, and you know we expect them to moderate uh, over the coming weeks, uh, but still remain you know extremely high from from a historical standpoint. You know, that's probably the the, the biggest uh, issue because those 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 bottlenecks that are happening at the port uh, is you know following its way inland. Uh, warehouses can't find people, you know, rails are having uh, difficulty uh, finding people. Um, so the intermodal uh, yards are, are being impacted as well. You know, intermodal um, is down about uh, 12 to 15% so far this year. Some of that has to do with some cold weather uh, and flooding, I should say, sorry, not cold weather, but flooding in Western mm. Canada that happened in, uh, in, in December, which is kind of, um, you know, still uh, impacting um, intermodal volumes um, as, as we see it. So, uh, Greg, I'm gonna give you the last comment on the on the West, but before I do, who knows? Uh, with all those folks coming back from those container ships, we might see a baby boom uh, here, here in the states in the in the coming years. Greg, what else sticks out to you about uh, the West? Uh, well, housing still continues to grow in the West, and you know the other thing that that really jumps out at me is just the dramatic drop in volume, and yet the the same inverse dramatic increase in in spend, um, that's that shows a significant delta between event supply and demand versus all of the other regions of the country, frankly. And you know, a lot of that is as as both Lee and Bobby have, have talked about for those reasons. But I just think it's you know that's the most imbalanced region of the country, and it's the most remote, right? It's the longest distance between ship points. It's the fewest number of ship points in, and, and delivery points in of any of the regions. It's also the largest region, physical region in the country. So right. there's just a lot of uh, odd dynamics about the West and particularly now with what's going on in the ports. But clearly there is a severe supply and demand imbalance out there. Excellent point there. And folks, I want to remind you, uh, again, freight.usbank.com. You can go there and sign up for this quarterly report. One additional comment, and then we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with Lee and Bobby, is, you know, Bobby mentioned their uh, relationship, partnership uh, with the American Trucking Association. And I think it was ATA in this report, Bobby, that mentioned in fourth quarter, there was 5% less trucks in operation, So, uh, which also didn't help um, the shipping uh, capacity and, and volume. So it feels like this fourth quarter, chock full of key takeaways, Bobby. I always appreciate your um, analysis, especially in, in layperson's, layman's terms, right? So that we all can understand it, even if you're not a, a freight broker or a freight analyst, you name it. Lee, appreciate your time with us here today to help us decipher and give us some color commentary. Um, Lee, let's start with you. Uh, you, Logistics Lee, on the move, always, no pun intended. Always a pleasure to have you on uh, with us here. Greg mentioned our Austin trip. Uh, that was our cross-country uh, venture in the supply chain now, Van. It was great to see you there. It feels like 17 years ago, but it was two probably. Um, but Lee, how can folks dial into what you're doing uh, at Bloomberg Intelligence? Yeah, the best way really is to connect on Twitter at Logistics Lee. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn. 
uh, pretty active uh, on both. Um, so, you know, love to connect with people. Um, you know, my research gets better the more, uh, you know, supply chain professionals uh, I get to interact with. So, um, you know, please feel free to reach out. I appreciate that. You know what? I've skipped over one critical question, Greg, uh, mainly uh, for you and Lee, whether it's one key takeaway, Lee, or whether it is one maybe observation that you can that you can make as we move deeper into 2022. What, what would you be your final thought, Lee? Moving into 2022? Sure. Yeah, let's go. I, there I think th I, 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 you know, think um, that we will have more events happening that will gum up the supply chain. I think rates will remain high. Um, you know, I think shippers really need to think uh, uh, hard and long about the strategic relationships they have with large transportation companies, small transportation companies, and making sure that their facilities are a place that a trucker uh, wants to go. Uh, because truckers have the, the, the luxury right now of saying no to freight. And, you know, you mentioned that there's uh, fewer truckers in the market. And the reason one of the reasons uh, why uh, is because they have a lot of other opportunities that provide better work life balances, um, you know, that could pay something similar or maybe a little less. But they're willing to do that trade off uh, because the work life balance, because being a trucker is, is, is a very uh, you know demanding job, especially for the folks that are that are over the road and doing uh, irregular routes. So. Um, you know, make sure your your, your facilities are are, are are a place where truckers want to go. Um, and, you know, think about if you're not thinking about transportation from a strategic standpoint in the C-suite, you know, you really should be. That is some of the best stuff I've heard all week, Lee. I really appreciate we uh, wrap it on that note. But before anyone takes off, Bobby, let's make sure a two-part question. One, you're perhaps your biggest takeaway from uh, this fourth quarter. Uh, freight payment index and two we've we've let folks know how they can sign up for it but how can they connect with you two prong two prong question there bobby uh biggest takeaway uh similar to lee's is the pressure still on uh can't look forward to see you know what's going to increase or what won't but the the pressures that we're able to measure um there aren't enough things coming in to abate those. I mean, the, you know, one of the, the factors, for example, was the labor shortage in the market. We've been using the 60,000 driver shortage. Now uh, I think ATA is coming up with like 80,000 and we saw that that was, you know, was happening. So bigger number of truckers out of the market, um, the capacity shortage, ability to expand your fleet, the ability to get new trucks uh, without cannibalizing the ones you have. Um, and then just, you know, as you said, the supply chain issues don't, there's nothing, there's not enough abating those. So we expect the pressure to continue and possibly get worse. Um, as far as how to get in touch with me, LinkedIn, my information's all there. Bobby.holland at usbank.com as well. And I'll be happy to answer any questions I can. So except predictions for the months ahead. That's right. Uh, but you have, but you heard it there. The pressure is on. And that reminds me of the heat is on from Beverly Hills Cop. Y'all remember, remember that Glenn Fry? That 80s track, legendary. Okay, so Bobby Holland, really appreciate your time and the U.S. Yeah. Bank team. Uh, Greg, uh, I'm going to come circle back to you after we let Lee and Bobby go and get yep, your sure. chief takeaway here today. Uh, big thanks, Bobby Holland, Director of Freight Data Solutions at U.S. Bank, and uh, dear friend Lee Klaskow, Senior Analyst, Transportation and Logistics with Bloomberg intelligence thank you both gentlemen yeah thanks thank you. thanks for having me
You bet. Greg, good stuff. Uh, man, that the heat is on ringing my ears for about three years back in the 80s. Couldn't get enough of it. It was like uh, beat it with Michael Jackson. Oh, we could, we could, we could have a lot of fun. But kidding aside, what's uh, especially with Lee and Bobby's kind of powerful close there? Lee talked about, I love how he challenged folks to basically take care of our truckers. They're so critical, hardworking, uh, smart problem solvers, uh, critical to, to our backbone. And Bobby talked about the pressure. Pressure's still on. Your thoughts, Greg? Yeah, the pressure is on because those 60 or 80,000 truckers that we're seeking to get back into the workplace are never coming. There won't, there won't be a substantial relative increase of drivers in the industry. So, you know, uh, I was interested in kind of in the, in the comments, Mohib was talking about his five whys uh, yes. for, the, for where things are today. And the truth is every single one of those goes right back to labor. Mm. We have, we paid people to stay out of the labor force for, in my opinion, too long. Many of them decided it wasn't worthwhile to come back. In fact, 3.6 million more people left the workforce last year than were expected. And 95% of those people, 95% of those people were 55 and above, which is the mm. prime age for people who drive trucks, do physical jobs, and have been doing a lot of the labor jobs that are looking at being automated these days. Mm. So mm. Um, the labor force is not coming back. That's just my opinion ever, never to the level it was. You got to understand, first of all, that the largest generation in the history of the planet was, even before last year, leaving the workforce at 10,000 persons a day. Mm. And 3.6 million persons, in addition, largely baby boomers, left the workforce. So, you know, we have to start thinking about things from a really different standpoint. The challenge that Lee that Lee leveled was to start thinking about this in different ways, to have leaders start thinking about this in different ways. Workforce and labor shortage is the root of inflation. It is the root of supply chain disruption, right? And it is the solution for both mm. of those things. We have to get people back to work and we have to get people back to producing the goods or conducting the jobs that can and still will be conducted by human beings. There are plenty of people that could go back into the workforce that aren't. Um, you know, some policy changes probably need to be put in place. For instance, you can still go on employment on an employment just because you fear Omicron or something like that. Probably need to go back to the standard federal unemployment rules that force people to have lost a job outside of their own free will to collect unemployment benefits. And, and when we do that, then people will go back to work. I think this change in the economy will also impact that as well. The heat is on supply chain now with Greg White, <laughs> Gregory S. White. Uh, I appreciate that. That, that. that is a great way to kind of bring our conversation to a close. A lot of data, a lot of takes, um, a lot of savvy takes on what's going on across freight, but also global supply chain, global business. Yeah. I'm going to wrap on this here. Thank you, Daniel. This is great feedback. We appreciate all the feedback we get from across the market. Daniel says, thank you so much for this insightful session. It very well complements my graduate studies and the supply chain analytics course that I'm taking this semester. Hoping to get more involved in the coming days and weeks. Thank you to all the panelists. Daniel, thanks, first off, for being here. Thank you for that feedback, secondly. And third, I completely agree with you. Bobby and Lee, and then Greg, too. Uh, this is one heck of a one-two punch. So we'll have to have both of them back with us really soon. All right. So Greg, we want to encourage folks 
check out the freight payment index free to get it. Yeah. You've got the link in the comments. So check it out over there. That's, that's over there. Anyway, right. it's over there. Freight.usbank.com. Mohib says, Hey, great to have analytical minds sharing their great insights. Mohib, I agree. And folks, the comments, bring Count it. Yourself among them. Yeah. yeah, bring it. I love I love your five uh five things there. T squared holds down the fort force on YouTube, says this was a triggering <laughs> discussion. And T squared. T squared is not easily triggered, let me assure <laughs> That's you. That's right. Um, okay, folks, stay tuned. Stay tuned as we continue. Uh, to cover all things supply chain here at Supply Chain Out, voice of supply chain. Stay tuned also for some wonderful footage of Greg White kayaking coming to a live stream near you. Okay. It, actually, it's not my kayak that's on the way. It's my wife's, but okay. still <laughs> okay. I will provide footage. She's wonderful. very good as a matter of fact. <laughs> Vicky, Vicky, we're, uh, we're, we're going to, you're going to be a YouTube star. Who knows? But hey, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. Big thanks to our friends at U.S. Bank. Big thanks to Lee and the team over at Bloomberg Intelligence yes. for what they do, both to really get uh, awareness of not just the data and what's going on, but awareness of the industry. That's good for everybody. Uh, big thanks to our production team uh, for all they do. Thanks to my co-host here. Folks, if you do anything, act on these challenges you heard from Greg and Lee and Bobby here at the end. Do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. And on that note, we see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.